This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast, coming to you from the new podcast cupboard of the SPH Pleasure Dome. I am Jonathan Roberts, and with me this week is the new paper's Joe Swan. Hello. Let's get into things, shall we? Slightly different this week. It's a bit of an indie. It's in cinemas now, and we highly recommend you catch it. Yes, this is called One Cut of the Dead. So because this one's a movie that's just come out, we're going to really try to avoid spoilers. Yeah, this one... Uh, this is going to be an editing nightmare. I swear we're going to let something out. But you really need to see it cold. And what we're going to describe to you is as much as we feel that we can say about it without spoiling it completely. But it is brilliant. Now, okay, quick premise, if we can get the premise out. Even the premise could be a spoiler in itself. This is a Japanese indie film. It was made in 2017. It's made for an incredibly low amount of money. It's only like translated into Singapore dollars is like 37,000 or something like that, if not less, 35, 30, around there. But it's made the money count. It's not anybody that you'd know on screen in the acting, but this is a concept that wins through. So how am I going to describe the plot? Uh, Okay, it's a film about a film crew who try and film a zombie film. And as they're filming a zombie film, they find themselves attacked by real zombies. Now, instead of running away, they've got a mad director who insists on filming this entire thing. I feel like you said (laughs) film 10 times in that like 30 minutes. It's very meta in that way because it is a film about a film about a film, which may sound strange, but it is brilliantly inventive. It is hilariously funny. I mean, laugh out loud, funny. You may even come away at some parts with a tear in your eye because it's that, because it's so moving. So its premise is a zombie film, but I think it does way more than just that. It's almost not a zombie film. Yeah. It's Which is as far as I think we'll go to see. <laughs> and if you're playing along at home, well done, if you're managing to keep up. I think what it is, is that the first half is a half hour, one take zombie film. As in, there are no cuts, there are no edits. It's shot in one entire take around a disused factory. World War these... Two Japanese complex something. Well, they, that's what they say. It just yeah. looks like a slight disused factory. Uh But in this, uh, you see the casting crew milling about. And at times, it feels odd that they are taking so long to talk about things. Like, they have conversations that seem to have... (laughs) Yes, indeed. There is a bit where one of the actresses uh, describes how she's been taking up self-defense. And the word that she uses every time she breaks out of an arm lock, uh, or she's been trained to say when breaking out of an arm lock, is POM. And this will be a recurring theme. So sometimes everything seems to be slightly not quite together, and it seems very amateurish, but you'll realize why later. So there's two halves to this, and then the second half is where things really kick in. On that note, I will say that at the 30-minute mark, you will get some kind of sense that the film is ending, that credits will roll, but stay past that. It's worth it. Yeah, it's strange. The credits will roll, and you will, for a moment, just think, do I get up now? Is that it? But stick around. It's one of those films that is what it says it is, but also isn't, if that makes sense. So, like, I went in not expecting much because I do not like zombie films. 
What? Not even Dawn of the Dead. Okay, I like Dawn of the Dead. But even then, like zombie films wouldn't be my first choice. Like I've seen maybe a couple that I didn't hate. But in general, they're like, uh, for me. So I went in really just being like, because my friend raved about it. But when I went in to see it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep my expectations low. But it was so good. It's been quite a struggle because I've been telling people how good it is. And a few colleagues have said, well, I don't like gore. And it was like, it's not really gory. Yeah. It's because, yeah, it's not really gory. There's some horror-ish elements, but they are so cheesy in a way. I think the best way to describe it would be everything that you think it is, it is and isn't. That is possibly the vaguest. But it's really the only way you can describe everything, it. Let's just go. Everything you think it is, it is, but it isn't. Think about it. If you think it's going to be gory, it is gory. But actually, I'm trying to think about it. It's melting my brain. Everything I think it is, it is, but it isn't. Brilliant, right? I think this is the smartest horror film of some sort that I've seen for a long time. But it is a horror film, but isn't. (laughs) Whatever you think it is, it is, but it isn't. Uh, Because it kind of riffs on that stuff that... You know, like Scream did back in the day where people are talking about, oh, these are the tropes of a horror film. It's meta in a way because yeah. it knows that you're watching it. It does, yeah. I, th- I think it's quite self-aware of. It's a very unknown cast. Now, the director was here just over the weekend. I think you went to see him on the Friday. I saw him on the Saturday. They did a Q&A with our very own zombie director, Jason Tan, who's directed Zombie Pura. And a very good host of the Q&A is too. He was hilarious. Yeah, Jason has a potential second career there. <laughs> so Jason was hosting uh, Sinichiro Ueda, who's the director, and he was saying about how uh, the film was made. Uh, not only is it inspiring because it is such a low-budget film, it is also inspiring in that he used complete unknowns to give some authenticity to it, to make sure you're not knowing, oh, such and such is likely to survive then. And the guy who plays the director in the film, what's his name, Sven? <laughs> now, who plays the lead character? Takayuki Hamatsu. Fantastically pronounced. Trust me, folks, there's been a lot of edits about wrong the names of this one. We're yeah, we're never going to get them right. Yeah. Our, <laughs> we're, we're our apologies to the casting crew. Uh, he has quite a role. I was playing the same role. He has... He, I don't think you can go into that because... No, no all I'm going to say is that in the same role, he plays multiple roles. This Again, follow, let's follow your description. Whatever you think it is, it is, but it isn't. I think the thing about it is it's not exactly got the most incredible cinematography. It's not got the most... The images aren't mind-blowing, right? And and while the soundtrack is good, it's, I feel like it's a really weird film in the way that it was. you came out of it feeling so great about the film. But actually... It is really a sum of its parts. Like individually, I don't think anything was amazing, but it just all came together. I kind of know what you mean. Like if you were to watch the one cut, I mean, it's it's impressive that they've managed to rehearse that much to create a one cut film. But yeah, it's, if you were to watch that alone, it wouldn't be much of a zombie film. But yeah. with the second part and what the second part brings to it, it becomes more than the sum of its parts. Exactly. It, it is... Again, it is very funny, and it's moving. You yes, know, it manages. It, is. it manages to. Well, it's it's honestly not the best zombie film. If it's just a zombie film, but coming together, it's laugh out loud. You know, there are t- there are t- parts in a film where you just feel like, oh, you know, there is a tear in your eye. There is, there is, there and, are yeah, certain just, moments where you just think, 
I cannot believe I'm being moved that much by this moment. It is really a sum of its parts. And the thing that impressed me the most was that I actually laughed out loud. Like there were bits where I was straight up like like lolling forward in my chair, laughing aloud. And I never, ever laugh aloud in films. I don't think I have ever laughed aloud in a okay. film. I don't know if you experienced it at the screening that you saw, but I have never heard an audience applaud midway through a film for a certain event that happens. The audience applauded, which I have not heard for a long, long time. It's true. Like, there are bits where people are laughing and you can hear them straight up, like, just slap their thighs and just go like... (laughs) Yes, that is what laughter sounds like. No, which is what I think the film did really well and I think actually in hindsight I think that's what really made it so great is that it was unpretentious didn't take itself too seriously Oh, definitely. it was funny without trying to be so unpretentious you know there was no wannabe try hard kind of like ooh art house kind of thing about it it was just so such a genuine film that I think what it does overall is just prove that if you have the right concept you don't need the huge budget in fact if anything budget kills comedy Mm mm-hmm and it's the kind of film that you don't have to go in with your film critic hat on. I think it's really a good time, which so film oh, yeah. films are. I mean, I mean, being told to, oh, you should see this Japanese zombie film, make immediately you just think, oh, God, pretension. And so, you know, soothes stroking their chin as they watch it. Oh, yes, I can see the decadence of the morality of the philandering of the, you know, and whatever thesaurus they want to vomit at you. But it's not. This is a good time full on good time i would not be surprised if it makes my film of the year list wow considering we've also already seen possibly the worst film of the year <laughs> it's Suspiria. only it's only january brief but this is i i've not felt this way coming out of a film for a long time and i think it's true if anyone is as inventive as has as much heart and can make me laugh as much as this film does well, it may well have the ability to cure diseases. <laughs> it's definitely true. I think it's one of those films to not think too hard about and just enjoy. Uh, I say a definite thumbs up from both of us. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go see it again. Choosing the Roger Ebert system. <laughs> Sorry, Roger. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'll definitely go see it again and again and again and again. I think I'll take everyone I know to see it. Didn't cost a lot to make, but it deserves to make millions back. It's really got hot. Talking about, you know, having this one make your favourite film list, the biggest awards are coming up soon. <gasps> Oscar season! What a segue. <laughs> I try. Yeah. So the Oscars, you've got things to say about the Oscars. Go on then. Well, the nominations have just come out. I mean, to say there's a few surprises in there, it would be an understatement. In case you've got better things to do and don't already know the lineup for the best picture this year, it's Black Panther, Black Klansman... Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Now, anyone who's looking at that list and didn't go, Bohemian Rhapsody? Why, right? I, I must agree that one's a bit... Entertaining, yes. Best film of the year? Really? But Seriously? I mean, I have to say that about Black Panther as well. I, it might, it's... Isn't really? the Oscars famous for nominating the weirdest films? I mean... Because the Oscars does like to highlight the outsiders sometimes but some of these I mean The Favourite has been getting a lot of nominations A Star is Born well it could well do it for this one Vice I don't even think it's coming to Singapore because it's so low key who's going to watch a film about Dick Cheney but you know 
Christian Bale's already won acting awards mm-hmm. for it. Black Klansman, sure. Uh, about a bit, time a, for Spike Lee to get nominated for something. About time for him to get nominated, yeah, which is one of those... Oh, is that where the Academy's thinking is that... Okay. Now, now that Leonardo DiCaprio has won something, maybe Spike Lee needs to too. I think the sp- surprising thing is that Spike Lee has not been within a sniff of an Oscar before. So how is a best film chosen? Okay, so with the rest of the categories, it's, you know, majority wins, right? So the problem with Big Picture and the way it's nominated, oh, sorry, the way, the way it wins, is that it's preferential voting, meaning that instead of having the most popular film wins, in a way, it's kind of like least hated film wins. So eight yeah. films, right? So let's say that I, as a member of the panel... Of the Academy. Did they call them the Academics? No. Because that would be hilarious. It wouldn't be that funny. Carry on with your story. <laughs> okay. So let's say I vote um, Bohemian Rhapsody as my least favourite film. Okay. And then, let's say, hypothetically, Roma next. Yeah. And if, let's say, Bohemian Rhapsody is overall gets the most number eight votes, meaning it's the least liked film, it gets kicked off and all the people, including myself, who voted for it as our least favourite, our votes go to the number seven film. So go to Roma. Right. And then it keeps going and going until... A film gets fifty percent. Okay, does that make sense? So, is there a situation where the this is why it's confusing, and this is why they probably need to change it because, uh, yeah. and it would explain some of the choices in the past for best film. And but, to be honest, from what I've seen, I feel like I'm not the only one who still doesn't get it. A lot of people still do not get it. Is there is a really good explanation on the Phil DeFranco YouTube channel. I suggest you go to that. It's a really good explanation. And it's got graphics as well, which unfortunately the world of the podcast can't provide. <laughs> as well as some aspects of the Oscar campaign that seem a lot more nefarious, such as whisper campaigns. and Yeah, and it's all about campaigning. So it's like you can have the best film in the world, but not have a budget to campaign. And you'd never win it anyway. But I do think some of these uh, choices that they've made, the Bohemian Rhapsodies and the Black Panthers, compared to, say, your Green Books, Romas, are trying to bring a younger crowd back to the audience. 2014, the last peak of the Oscars, they had a viewership of around 44 million. Oh. In four years, that has dropped. Last year, 26.5 million. That's a plummet. So there is this whole thing of is the Oscars too out of touch with an audience. And it's also kind of lost its legitimacy. Like people now can predict what the Oscar panel is going to pick. And it's never really because they think that these are the best movies that deserve to win. It's like, it's almost like there's a theme and they just pick films in that kind of theme every year. Who knows how long the Oscars can last on TV? I mean, if the way it's going, if it keeps on dropping. And how many of this pe- these people actually just leave it on in the background? How many people actually still care? I think it's really feel like it's not something you hear young people care about nowadays you know it's just gotten to become one of those things that all people like I think the Oscars along the way have just pushed themselves outside of relevancy and some of the decisions and some of the winners have just proved to be so baffling or indeed so forgettable everyone remembers La La Land don't get it I'm not even sure everyone remembers that Moonlight was the actual winner (laughs) And that was two years ago, three years ago? I think people remember the controversy more than the films involved, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is where we'll leave it. Now, Suan, you've got a message for the lovely people outside. If you're listening to us on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, please leave us a review and a comment. We would love to hear from you. She even does the hand movements. It's like Vanna White. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm becoming really good at this. <laughs> it, it should be your TV show now. No, let's spare the people that thing. And that's where we'll leave it for this episode of Double Feature. Thank you very much for joining me, Sven. Thank you. I, I must say, I'm glad these walls are padded because you look like you're losing your mind. It's the 25th take of trying to say goodbye. And with that, until next time, and another Double Feature, goodbye. Pum. 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 That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg. Welcome to... No, sorry, wrong podcast. I was about to say a game of two halves. <laughs> Welcome to... Oh, I was going to say it again. Okay. It's been a very long day. It's been a very long day. Welcome to a game of two halves. No! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jonathan Matthew Roberts. Help. <laughs> you said it with such confidence as well. Which is like literally... This is a show, folks. <laughs> It's the worst part is that you were so sure. I, yeah. My brain had told me, don't worry, it's this one. It's like the Oscars. It handed me the wrong envelope. <laughs> it handed me the wrong envelope. I'd gone out on stage and said, the winner is a game of two halves. And now... 